So today we're going to talk about Rosai 18 through 24. Okay, I have to apologize. This is getting out so late. I had this intense neck and back issue this week that like totally knocked me out. I couldn't hardly move. It was like a kink or something. Anyway, yesterday I started to feel better, but I had to catch up on everything. I had been falling behind the whole week, like dishes and stuff, if you know what I mean. And um, so here we are. It's way late, but better late than never. We are so excited because Brayden is so excited to join us today. He wants to help us out, so we're going to let him. You, um, the title in the Come Follow Me manual is We Have Entered Into a Covenant with Him. Today we are going to see two groups of people. And we're going to see the different ways that they handle um, and are their trials, how, how they handle their trials. And so we're going to kind of compare those. Um, okay, we're going to start with Alma. In Alma, or in Mosiah 18, Alma is, has repented and is now going to teach the people. So he goes and he, he finds this place. And it says in verse 4, um, it says, let's see here, a place which was called Mormon, having received his name from the king, being in the borders of the land, having been infested by times or at, or at seasons by wild beasts. So, do you, would you like to gather and meet in a place that at times had a lot of wild beasts in it? Um, no. No. Um. Me neither. So, I want you guys to think about this in your lives. He takes this place that is less than desirable, this place that is um, not what ordinarily you would think of as a holy place, and he finds a holy place in it. He finds this place that they call the Waters of Mormon. I love this, you guys, because it doesn't matter where we live, it doesn't matter what kind of communities we live in, what kind of home we live in, even if we're the only member in our home, so we feel like our home has a lot of differing opinions, or like, it doesn't matter. We can find a holy place. If he could find a holy place in this land that's infested with wild beasts, we can find a holy place in our homes. And I don't know, I, it gets me so excited to think about like, where, where, where are we going to make our holy place? You know what I mean? It can be our home. Our home as a, as a total can be our holy place, but it also could be our bedroom. Or um, what if, you know, you're like my kids and you share rooms. <laughs> And, you know, he has to read his scriptures with a bunch of kids making noise. Maybe his holy place is his bed. It's his own special space. So wherever, whatever that looks like for us, we need to find our holy place and make it really special. Make it a place that we can fill the spirit. So he teaches these people at the waters of Mormon um, here in this place that they call Mormon. And I love in verses 8, oh, it's like 8 through 11, he is going to teach them. And he's like, you guys, if you have a desire, let's just read it. And it came to pass that he said unto them, Behold, here are the waters of Mormon, for thus were they called. And now, as you are desirous to come into the fold of God, and be called his people, and are willing to bear one another's burdens, that they may be light, ye are willing to mourn with those that mourn, ye in comfort that those comfort those that stand in need of comfort, and to stand as a witness of God at all times and all things and all places that you may be in, even until death, that you may be redeemed of God, and be renumbered with those of the first resurrection, that ye may have eternal life. Now I say unto you, if this be the desire of heart, what have ye against being baptized in the name of the Lord? 
as a witness, pay attention to these because these are very familiar to us for our baptism. As a witness before him that ye have entered into a covenant with him, that ye will serve him and keep his commandments, that he may pour out his spirit more abundantly upon you. You guys, that's so familiar. Do you guys recognize that? When you guys, when we're baptized, we covenant to keep the commandments, take his name upon us, and always remember him. And here he's saying, same type of things. He's talking about that you may serve him, keep his commandments, being baptized in his name, that take his name upon us, that part. And then he promises us the spirit, the Holy Ghost. And it says here that he, that he may pour out his spirit more abundantly upon you. The church of Jesus Christ has always been the same. This is the church of our savior. And it doesn't just change. I mean, there are things that change in it because it's a living church and we get revelation and things that will bring us to where we need to be to prepare for his coming. But the basic doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ are the same. And they always have been. So they were baptized, they made that covenant then and we make that covenant today and they got the Holy Ghost then and we get it today. It's so beautiful, you guys. Um, and then he takes this guy, Helam. And they go into the waters and they get baptized. Now, we don't know much about Helam. But I think he must have played a pretty important role and been influential somehow because when they go and find that, when they have to run away in just a little bit, and they find that place that they gather um, to get away from King Noah, they call the place Helam. So I think Helam is pretty influential. He's probably pretty important. So he's the first one that's baptized. Um, so then they begin to organize the church. And he has the power and authority of God, the power and authority of God, which I find so important because once again, we talk about how the church has not changed that much as far as the basic doctrines and the basic concepts. And so we need the power and authority of God today to baptize and organize the church. And you needed the power and authority then as well. So he has that power and authority. Um, and it talks about that in verse 18. And Brayden, what are some of the things he teaches the people? Um, so he teaches the people, oh, obey the Sabbath day and work hard. Yeah, he does. The Lord has always wanted his people to be a hardworking people and to be industrious. So he teaches them to keep the Sabbath day holy. He teaches them unity. He wants them to be unified in all things. He teaches them to give thanks. He teaches them um, to the law of consecration. So it was, they, he, he does this great job of teaching and organizing the people. However, the king discovers them. The king discovers, King Noah discovers them and decides to send his armies and destroy them. But they were warned. And so he is able to gather his people and flee. Now, his story kind of ends right there in, in 34. We don't get to see his story finish until chapter 23 um, and 24. Um, so we're going to pause. Actually, it ends at 35. Yeah, it ends at 35. You're right. There was 450 people that um, that that went with him. So we're going to pause at his story at the end of chapter 18, and we're going to pick it up again in 23 and 24. Okay, you guys, so we're going to back up just a little bit, and I'm going to tell you guys kind of what it is about the story that I love so much. We're going to start when Mosiah, so Mosiah 1 took the people from the Nephites, from the land of Nephi over to the land of Zarahemla. Okay, and then King Benjamin, his son, reigned, and then Mosiah reigned. But there was a group of people during Mosiah 1's reign that went back to the land of Nephi. So when Mosiah 1's grandson, King Mosiah, comes into reign, he's like, what happened to those people that went back up to the land of Nephi? What happened to them? Zenith and his people. So 
we've had this last couple of days, we've had this awesome opportunity to understand what happened to Zenith and his people. King Noah was his son, and King Noah was wicked, and we learned about Abinadi, and now we're going to find the end of King, um, King Noah's story right now, and then we're going to jump into kind of how that people, Zenith's people who become Lemhi, Lemhi's people, how they get back to the land of Zarahemla. Okay, now we're going backwards to the land of Zarahemla, and it's pretty awesome because we're going to see both um, Lemhi and his people, which is Lemhi is the grandson of Zenith who went, you know, to the land of Nephi. So we're going to see Lemhi and his people come back to the land of Zarahemla, and Elma, who has now gone into the wilderness, they're also going to come back to the land of Zarahemla. So we're going to find two people that are going to come back to the land of Zarahemla, which is awesome. I'm sure Mosiah, who had sent Ammon off looking for the people, is like overjoyed because not only does he bring back the people of Lemhi, but also the people of Alma. So I'm sure there's going to be this huge like gathering and rejoicing in the land of Zarahemla. So it's pretty awesome. So we're going to get to see these two people, these two groups today. Okay, so let's talk about the end of King Noah's life and how King Lemhi comes into reign and then what happens and how he ends up you know, finding Ammon and Ammon helping him get back to Lanazar Hemla. So let's do it. Okay, so Gideon. Gideon does not like King Noah because King Noah is not a very good man. And um, Gideon decides he wants to kill him. And my son, um, my son, my two sons did a quick little role play for you guys on this one. So this is the story of King Noah and Gideon. So one day, King Noah, Gideon said to King Noah, you're a bad man, King Noah. So we ran, and and then King Noah went on a tower. So did I. And then and then King Noah said, stop. Let, don't kill me so because the Lamanite army is coming. Let me save my people. But King Noah didn't really care about his people. He cared about himself. So Gideon wants to kill King Noah, and he um, he's chasing after him, and King Noah climbs on this tower, as you saw in the cute little video, and he looks out, and he sees the, um, the army of the Lamanites come in, and he's like, whoa, don't kill me, I need to save my people, which Tanner clearly let us know that was not about his people, it was about himself. Um, and it tells us that um, in verse 8, and now the king was not so much concerned about his people as he was about his own life. Nevertheless, Gideon did spare his life. So we learned that it really was about him. So he runs down to his people and he's like, you guys, we have to run. We have to flee. Now, if you guys remember, this was a people that just not too long ago thought that they were all too powerful to be in bondage and they didn't need the Lord. It was all their own strength and they were like, when Abinadi was there, they were like, we're too strong to be in bondage, right? And now King Noah's like, everybody flee, right? They're changing. It changes quickly. So they're all fleeing, but they're not fleeing fast enough. And the Lamanites start kind of killing them and kind of um, coming upon them and taking over. And King Noah, being an unrighteous man that he is, does this terrible thing. He's like, he recognizes that they're not fast enough. So what does he do? He says, men, leave your wives and your children behind. Terrible idea, but that's what King Noah does. He's like, we're not going fast enough. We're being slowed down. Leave your women and children behind and keep going. So there's a part of them that does. They keep they keep going and they take off into the wilderness. The ones that stay behind, they tell their beautiful daughters, go and plead for our lives. So the beautiful daughters stand forth and they're like, please don't kill our, our families. Please spare us. The Lamanites have mercy on them. They they are now in bondage. King Le uh, Lemhi is the son of King Noah. He is now going to step into place. And so now we have Lemhi and his people, okay? And now they're in bondage, just like Abinadi said they would be. It's crazy that everything 
the minute I said would happen um, is happening. It's just crazy. So, um, so they're now in bondage. And um, we're going to jump to the father, what's going on over there. So the Lamanite king, he basically says, I'm going to spare your life, but on one condition. I need you to bring me King Noah. Okay, so Lemhi, the son, does not want his father killed or destroyed. But Gideon, he does. <laughs> he doesn't like him. So he secretly sends some people off to find King Noah. And he discovers this is what happened to King Noah. This is his story. So they're out there in the wilderness. And these men had just left their wives and their children behind. And they're like, what did we do? What in the world did we do? We need to turn around and go back. Um, and I'm not really sure all that happened. If there was, you know, contention there or what. But they end up burning um, King Noah. And um, it says in 20, And the king commanded them that they should not return. And they were angry with the king and caused that he should suffer even unto death by fire. Now, if you remember, Abinadi prophesied that that would happen as well. So Abinadi's words are coming to pass in every way. The people are in bondage. Um, king Noah is now um, burned. <laughs> so anyway, so there was some contention. The guys now and the priests are like, they probably know that they're going to be next. I mean, there's this contention. So it says in 21, and they were about to take the priests also and put them to death, and they fled before them. So now the priests are out in the wilderness. And don't forget them, because they're a big part of our story. They're in the wilderness for just a minute. So we're just going to let that be. So these men that decide to go back to their, their wives and their children meet up with Gideon, and they tell them the story. Gideon goes back, and they tell the, um, the king the story. So now that is the end of King Noah. We now have King Lemhi and his people. Okay. And now we're going to see King Lemhi and his people, how they get back to Jerusalem, the land of Zarahemla, which is pretty awesome. So King Lemhi says, here's the thing. You guys have to pay me a half of everything you, you make, um, all your grains, flocks, um, riches, everything. I want a half of all of it. And he sets up guards around them, which I think is pretty common back then to kind of keep them in submission. They set up guards because we're going to see that again with Alma and his people. Um, now we're going to take a different camera view <laughs> to the Lamanites. Now there are a group of, um, women in the Lamanite group in the Lamanite, um, among the Lamanites. And actually I think Brayden, Brayden did a little story on this, so I'll let you, Brayden tell you this story. There were some Lamanite girls that would that went in the, that went in to a forest and they danced and sing, and then and then some priests came. Then they will wait until take them into the wilderness and make them their wives. And I like to bear my testimony that this that the Christmas is true and and then and this story was true and in the name of Jesus Christ and man. Okay, so these women find this area where they like to go and dance and sing and be merry and like Brayden says, the priests are hiding and they're watching them and then they go and kidnap them and they take them and have them be their wives. Now, this causes huge issues, okay? Huge, huge issues. The priests are off in the wilderness and they've now got the daughters of the Lamanites and the Lamanite king is furious. So he gathers up his people and they want to come against Lemhi and his people because they think Lemhi and his people stole the, their daughters. And luckily, um, Lemhi sees the preparations and he also begins to prepare. Now in 11 it says, well let's start in 10. 
so they come to battle and it says in 10 and it came to pass the battle became exceedingly sore for they fought like lions for their prey and it came to pass the people of Lemhi began to drive the Lamanites before them yet they were not half so numerous as the Lamanites so there's not even half as many of the um, Lemhi's people but they fought for their lives and for their wives and for their children therefore they exerted themselves and like dragons did they fight so they fight with all their might and um the king of the Lamanites falls among the dead. Okay, so the Lamanites kind of run. The king, the king falls and among the dead. And so they take the king before Lamhai. And they ask him after they help him feel better. <laughs> they ask him, what was, you know, why did you guys come up against us to battle? And King Lamhai tells him about the woman. So in 14, here's the question, 14. What cause have you to come up to war against my people? Behold, my people have not broken the oath that I made unto you. Therefore, why should you break the oath which ye have made unto my people? So King Lam um, the Lamanite king is going to tell him about the daughters. And King Lamanite is shocked. He's like, okay, well, I've never heard of this, so I'm going to search my people. And Gideon's like, no, don't search our people. I, I can guarantee you I know what happened to the daughters. Do you remember the priests? I can guarantee you it's the priests. So um, they pacify the king and the king is like, okay, I will go before my people because he knows they're coming back to battle again. Remember, they're like double inside. They're going to come back. He's like, I will go and pacify them. So he goes and he pacifies the people. Um, and then there's peace for just a very short amount of time. I think it's even only a couple of days. So that peace doesn't last very long. In chapter, 20, in chapter 21, verse two, it says, and it came to pass that after many days, the Lamanites began again to be stirred up in anger against the Nephites, and they began to come into the borders of the land round about. They're angry. They've lost all these loved ones in this battle. They're angry. So the peace does not last very long, the peace that the, the, the king was able to establish. And so now they're gonna start harassing um, Lamhai and his people. Now, once again, think about King Abinadi's words. He told them when King Noah was the king, he said, if you do not repent, you will be smitten. You will be afflicted. You will be, um, what were all the words he said? <laughs> he talked about heavy burdens. And in verse three, we see the heavy burdens. Let's just read verse three, because some of these words are familiar from Abinadi's words. Now they durst not slay them because of the oath, which they, which their king had made unto Lamhai but they would smite them on their cheeks and exercise authority over them and began to put heavy burdens upon their backs and drive them as they would a dumb ass. So think back on those words of Abinadi when you read that verse. Now the afflictions of this people are so great. And here's where we're gonna see the way they're gonna to respond to the trials. And we're gonna talk in a little bit the way that Alma's gonna to respond to, the, um, to his trials, to their people's trials. So one of the lessons we learned is that we should always turn to the Lord. King Lemhi and his people turned to the Lord after they went to war three times. But Alma and his people turned to the Lord right away. They are going to plead with Lemhi to go to battle, right? And instead of turning to the Lord for deliverance, they're going to say, we have to fight. We have to fight. So finally, he says, all right, fine, go to battle. They go to battle. They're slaughtered. It's awful. And now there's more mourning. There's more suffering. In verse 9, it says, And now there was a great mourning and lamentation among the people of Lamhai. The widow is mourning for her husband, and the son and the daughter mourning for their father, and the brother and their brethren. Like, and the brothers for their brethren. I mean, it's just sad. So they plead with him again. Let's go to battle again. So what do they do? They go to battle again, right? And then they go a third time in verse 12, and they went even again a and they went again even the third time and suffered in the like manner. And those that were not slain returned again to the city of Nephi. Now here is the, where they humble themselves. 
And this is where the lesson comes into play where we talk about how do we handle our trials? Do we fight our own battles on our own until we're beaten so badly? <laughs> and then finally we say, okay, Lord, I need you. Or do we start with the Lord? Do we start there? And we're going to talk about that with Alma in a minute. So finally in verse 13, and they humbled themselves even to the death, subjecting themselves to the yoke of bondage, submitting themselves to be smitten and to be driven to and fro and burdened according to the desires of their enemies. And 14, and they did humble themselves, even the depths of humility, and they did cry mightily to God. Yet even all the day long did they cry unto their God, that he would deliver them out of their afflictions. Now, if you remember in King when um, Abinadi spoke to King Noah, he told him and the people, if you don't repent, the Lord will be slow to hear your cries. They did not repent. And even two years later when he came back, they did not repent. So he says in 15, Now the Lord was slow to hear their cries because of their iniquities. Nevertheless, the Lord did hear their cries and began to soften the hearts of the Lamanites that they began to ease their burdens. Yet the Lord did not see fit to deliver them out of bondage. So the word of the Lord um, when Abinadi spoke was that he would be slow to hear their cries. And here we're saying that he is slow to hear them, but he hears them. He hears them. And that's the important part we need to remember is that no matter what, the Lord hears our cries. And so um, in verse 16, it says, It came to pass that they began to prosper by degrees in the land. I want you guys to remember that phrase and never forget it. Because heartache takes time. When you've lost a loved one, when you're coming back from a sickness or an illness, when you've lost a home or had some tragedy happen, we prosper by degrees. It takes time to come back from heartache. So the Lord does hear their cries and begins to help them and they prosper by degrees. Um, they begin to take care of all the widows because um, there's a lot of widows at this point because a lot of the men died. And um, I love this part at the end or this part um, from about 19 and 20. We understand now why King, uh, King Lemhi took Ammon and bound him when Ammon came. Remember, Ammon came from the land of Zarahemla looking for the people. And then he gets there, and the king is out, um, you know, in the borders, and they take them and bind them and put them in a prison. And it tells us why in 19. And the king himself did not trust his person without the walls of the city unless he took his guards with him. So he didn't even trust himself. He knew the Lamanites could take him at any time, fearing that he might be by some means fall into the hands of the Lamanites. So, and then it tells us in 20, and he caused his people should watch the land round about that by some means they might take those priests that fled into the wilderness who had stolen the daughters of the Lamanites and that had caused such a great destruction to come among them. So there, there is the key. They were watching for the priests. They were looking for the priests. And, um, so he, so he, the king always had his guards around him, but they were keeping it out for those priests. And then 23, it says, And the king, having been without the gates of the city with his guards, discovered Ammon and his brethren, and supposing them to be the priests of Noah, therefore he caused that they should be taken and bound and cast into prison. And had they been the priests of Noah, he would have caused that they should be put to, to death. So do you guys remember? We already read this part of the story, so this is kind of like deja vu. We're seeing it again. Um... He's so overjoyed when he finds out that they're from the land of Zarahemla because he had gone looking for the land of Zarahemla, if you guys remember, and they had found the plates um, of the Jaredite people. And so he's just so excited that they're there. Um, and of course, there's the emotions, all the different emotions that you're going to see as you read through these verses. Okay, so chapter 21 ends with them kind of trying to figure out their escape plans, and 22 begins with them trying to discuss their escape plans. And Gideon kind of steps up and has this wonderful idea to send wine 
to the guards and while they're drunk, you know, they'll slip out. So they gather up their people. They say, gather up your flocks and your herds. Um, we're going to give the wine. They're going to get drunk and we're going to slip out. And that's, and that's what they do. Ammon is with them and they escape. So they're now going to head off into, um, towards Zarahemla. And then in 13, it says, And after many days in the wilderness, they arrived in the land of Zarahemla and joined Mosiah's people and became his subjects. And it came to pass, Mosiah received them with joy. This is in 14. And he also received their records and also the records which had been found by the people of Lemhi. Um, now, 15 and 16 is very important. Because <laughs> this is going to be key for what's coming next. And that came to pass when the Lamanites had found that the people of Lemhi had departed. So the Lamanite guards, I mean, the Lamanites come out, they're, they've been drunk, but they come, they come to their senses and they're like, oh my word, Lemhi and their people are completely gone. They've escaped and the king is furious, right? So he's going to send an army. It says, um, where was I? Um, and now it came to pass that when the Lamanites had found that the people of them had departed out of the land by night, that they sent an army into the wilderness to pursue them. And after they had pursued them two days, they could no longer follow their tracks, therefore they were lost in the wilderness. Don't forget that, okay? They are going to have a very key role here soon. There is an army in the wilderness, this random army. I don't know how big they are, but I'm assuming they were pretty big because they were supposed to be big enough to bring the entire people of Lemhi back, okay? So there's this army out there that's lost. They've lost their tracks and they don't know how to get back. We're going to see the rest of their story in Messiah 23:30 is when it starts. So let's jump into Messiah 23. Okay, you guys, this is awesome. Messiah 23 is a totally different group of people. This is now Alma, okay? So we've seen King Lamha, King Lamhai and their people, and they are now returned to Lamazarahamla. I don't know if it was up or down. I actually don't know where the map is, but um, they're now in Atlantis are handling with Messiah. They have rejoiced and it's beautiful. And now we get the camera um, sent to Alma and his people who had escaped King Noah and gone into the wilderness. Okay. So um, 23 is their record. So it starts out telling us kind of back, it kind of goes back to where we ended in chapter 18, you know, where they're being warned. They're warned that King Noah is going to come and destroy them. So they flee into the land and they journey for eight days. They find this beautiful land and they call this land Helam. So like I said, I don't exactly know the story of Helam, but he was the first to be baptized and they call the land Helam. So I think he was very um, influential some, somehow. So, and then in verse 21 of chapter 23, it says, Nevertheless, the Lord seeth fit to chasten his people, yet he trieth their patience and their faith. Nevertheless, whosoever putteth his trust in him, the same shall be lifted up the last day. Yea, and thus it was with this people. They were part of King Noah's people when Abinadi said, you need to repent or you will be in bondage and smitten. They were part of that group that did not repent until later. They did repent, but they didn't repent when Abinadi told them to. So they're still going to fall into that, like you're still going to see a lot of those same words for their story as we did with Lemhi's story. They're still going to go in bondage and they're going to be smitten. And a lot of the same things that um, Abinadi said would happen are going to happen, but their story is going to be a little different. Because instead of going about it their own way and fighting their own battle over and over and over and over again until they're just so beaten down and then turning to the Lord, they're going to turn to the Lord first. Okay, so let's hear their story. So they're in this land of Helam and some, some of the people are out by the borders and they notice an army. Who is that army? Who's this random army that they have seen, that they found, right? They see this random army and they run. To the, to the city and they gather and they're afraid. And I love what Alma says. Alma says in 27, 
Um, and, and But Alma went forth and stood among them and exhorted them that they should not be frightened, but that they should remember the Lord their God, and he would deliver them. I want you to understand that he is a convert. If you're a convert, don't ever think you can't do great things or that you're less or that you don't fit in. He was a convert that had sins, we're going to learn about next week, that were just so bad. And yet he rises to the occasion. He is such, he, somehow he, with as little knowledge as he was able to learn from Abinadi, has now gathered and taught a people, organized the church, and now is having this army come up against him. And instead of being afraid, he says, don't be afraid, but have trust in God. How amazing is that? That is amazing. This like blows my mind. So understand if you're a convert or if you know converts, it doesn't matter how long you have been a member of the church. It doesn't matter if you've been a member of the church your whole life or, you know, six months or even in one month. Your strength is un incalculable. incalculable. <laughs> you can do great things, even, even a week. <laughs> it doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. Your strength can be great. Now, the army. Let me tell you about this army. While they were out wandering in the wilderness, they were just kind of wandering. They lost their way. They're trying to get back to the land of Nephi, but they can't find it. Guess who they find? Who also is out there wandering in the wilderness, just out there crazy? The priests of Noah, <laughs> King Noah. So, but the priests of King Noah send their wives to plead, which is the Lamanites, you know, sisters, basically, because that the, the wives were used to be Lamanites. Anyway, so they send their wives out to plead for them, for their lives. And so these girls go and they're like, please don't kill our husbands. So the Lamanite army decides to save them, which I don't understand why, because that they, those were the priests that stole their sisters. You would think they would destroy them, but they didn't. So they decide to together go and find the land of Nephi. So they are, the priests are with this army when they get on the, to the, land, to the borders of Helam. And so um, Alma goes forward and they say, we won't kill you or put you in bondage if you'll just direct us to the land of Nephi. We're just trying to get to the land of Nephi. Just help us out. So Alma does. He gives them the direction. Go this way. That's the land. You'll find the land of Nephi. What do they do? They lied. So now they're going to set guards around Helam's people, or the, um, the land of Helam, where Alma and his people are. And some of them return to the land of Nephi, and some of those stay, and others bring the wives back, the wives of the guards. So now they're like living, <laughs> surrounding the land of Helam, keeping the people in bondage. And it was a pretty big army, big enough that they were going to be able to take the people of Lemhi back, right? So they've surrounded the people of Alma, which is a small group, if you remember. They weren't very many. There was like 400 and something that went with them. How many was that? 450. There was only like 450 of them. So it's not going to take that much of an army to keep them, keep them bound, um, keep them in place. So, um, King, somehow, the leader of the priests, this, the leader's name is Amulon, and somehow, somehow he is a very persuasive man. Now, I'm not surprised because he was one of the priests. Um, and he gets on the King Lamanite's good side. And King Lamanite basically says, you can have control of this people, like this area. As long as you, are, you understand you're under my rule, you can, you can rule this. And he also says that he wants the priests to teach them they're not an educated people. If you remember, the Lamanites didn't have the plates of brass with them. That was the, the Nephites had the plates of, blast, plates, plates of brass 
when you have records, you're able to maintain your, your language and um, your education. And so the people of Nephi were a lot more educated and the Lamanites weren't. So the priests are going to educate the Lamanites so that they're able to um, it's just, let's just read it in verse 7. And thus the Lamanites began to increase in riches and began to trade one with another. So they have this communication better and this write, they can write and stuff. And wax great and began to be cunning and a wise people as to the wisdom of the world. Yea, a very cunning people, delighting in all manner of wickedness and plunder, except it were among their own brethren. Now Alma and Almulon know each other because they were both priests in the, you know, under King Noah's rule. So they know each other. So you've got Alma who fled and has this group of people with him. And you've got Amulon who now is over Alma, who now has control because he persuaded the Lamanite team to give him control. So he is going to begin to um, persecute Alma and his people. Let's read it in verse 8. And now it came to pass that Amulon began to exercise authority over Alma and his brethren and began to persecute him and cause his children to persecute their children. For Almulon knew Alma, that he had been one of the king's priests, and that, it, and that it was he that believed the words of Abinadi and was driven out before the king. And therefore he was wroth with him, for he was subject to King Laman. Yet he exercised authority over him, over them, and put tasks upon them, and put taskmasters task over them. So the people of Alma begin to cry out to the Lord. Remember, they're not going to fight their own battles. Um, they're going to go immediate to the Lord. And they cry to the Lord, and Amula is like, I'm not going to have that. That that doesn't, that's not going to fly at all. So he says um, in 11, And Amulon commanded them that they should stop their cries, and he put guards over them to watch them, that whosoever should be calling, should found calling upon God should be put to death. So what do they do? Do they just say, well, we're not going to cry, call upon God? No. In 12, and Alma and his people did not raise their voices to the Lord their God, but did pour out their hearts to him. And he did know the thoughts of their hearts. So they're pleading in their hearts and their minds. They're not stopping their prayers. They're just stopping their voices. But they're going to continue to plead. Um, and it says in 13, It came to pass the voice of the Lord came to them in their affliction, saying, Lift up your heads and be of good comfort. For I know of the covenant which you have made unto me, and I will covenant with my people and deliver them out of bondage. Now these next couple of verses are some of my very favorite verses, and I use them so much on my mission when I was talking to people. I loved these verses. Let's just read it. 14, and I will also ease the burdens which are put upon your shoulders, that even you, even you cannot fill them upon your backs, even while you are in bondage, even while you're going through the trial. And this I will do that you may stand as a witness for me hereafter and that you may know of a surety that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their afflictions. 15, I love this verse so much, you guys. And now it came to pass the burdens which were laid upon Alma and his brethren were made light. They were still there. The Lamanites still thought they were putting the exact same things on their shoulders. Um, yea, the Lord did strengthen them. And they could bear up their burdens with ease and they did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. With ease cheerfulness and patience isn't that beautiful if we're going through a hard time if we're having a trial and we turn to the lord he has the ability to make that trial light even though it's still there and we can submit um patiently right we can wait for that that um what is it what did it what did we talk about earlier how we will prosper um by degree right so we can be patient and it says cheerfulness we can be cheerful as we go through these. And 16, and it came to pass that so great was their faith and their patience that the voice of the Lord came upon them again saying, be of good comfort for on the morrow I'll deliver you out of bondage. So I love this, that their faith and their patience 
Be patient with the Lord. Be patient. Sometimes it just takes time. Overcoming takes time. Prospering by degrees takes time. Sometimes it takes time to overcome whatever the trial is we're in. And even if the Lord is easing our burdens so that we can submit cheerfully, we still need to be patient with the Lord. Because it was because of their faith and their patience that he was like, now it's time to deliver you. Right? We need to be patient. Um, to just to stand back, take a step back, be still and know that he is God. And that he will he will rescue when it's time. And Tanner is going to tell us what happens, how they escape, their escape story. So what happened in their escape story is that so they gathered all their animals, flocks, all their food and water and 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 when they after they gathered all that stuff, they Heavenly Father then made them have a deep sleep. The Lamanites, he caused a great a sleep on the, let's read it in 19. And in the morning, the Lord caused a deep sleep to come upon the Lamanites. Yea, and all their taskmakers were in a profound sleep. Even, then what happens? So even the camp people, all the guards, including the king, Some fell asleep until, until, until they made it to the land of Zarahemla. Yep, they escaped to the land of Zarahemla. Okay, so that's it. So now there's a huge party in the land of Zarahemla. Because um, Lamhai and his people have come, and Alma and his people have come. So I'm sure Mosiah is rejoicing, um, and we're going to talk about all of that next week. So